Hello there, Alaskans, wherever you are. Welcome to the Must Read Alaska Show. Coming to you from somewhere in Alaska. This is the place where we talk about, you guessed it, Alaska. Where we keep the mainstream media on their toes and where we are standing up for what's right and a world run by leftists. You can find out more by heading over to mustreadalaska.com and also checking out the Must Read Alaska YouTube channel for some really great content. But first, let's get this party started. Well, welcome everybody to the Must Read Alaska show. I'm your host, John Quick, coming to you live from somewhere in Alaska. And uh, the election is over, folks. And uh, for the most part, we're still counting some ballots. But those of you who kind of understand how ranked choice voting works, you probably understand who has won at this point. So um, onward and upward till, you know, next year, next uh, elections. And um, sometimes the folks that you want win, sometimes the folks that you want don't win. But I think it's important to, for everybody to pick themselves up by the bootstraps and keep trekking along. I think one of the th lessons learned that I've heard from a lot of folks this year is they don't like ranked choice voting. I'm one of those folks. And um, I think that it's easy to point fingers at and do the blame game at, at people, whether it's the Republican Party or there's too many Republicans in this race or not enough in this race. And really ranked choice voting through a wrench and everything and, and everybody was learning as they were running. So um, chalk it up to a learning year and uh, let's get back out there and and uh, and run again folks run again in a year or two and, and see what happens. You know, maybe we'll repeal ranked choice voting, which would be awesome. So for everybody that watches, listens, reads Must Read Alaska, we want to thank you. If you want to help keep the lights on here at Must Read Alaska, you can go to mustreadalaska.com on the right-hand side there. There's a donate button and you can just click the donate button, five, 10 bucks, a hundred bucks. Every little penny helps keep the lights on here at Must Read Alaska. We're not funded by some big, huge nonprofit conglomerate or um, top secret dark money. We're funded by just everyday folks in Alaska that like what we're doing and like the fact that there's a conservative news voice in Alaska. We've reached an astronomical amount of folks this last year. In 2022, we'll probably reach around 100 million people on social media. Um, our website's probably reached, I don't know, around 12 million people this year, page views. So we're having a huge year, Mustry Alaska. Um, and it's because of folks like you that listen, watch, and read our show So, um, and our website. So thank you so much. Without further ado, I want to welcome one of Mustard Alaska's favorites, Mayor Rodney Dial, the Ketchikan Borough. Um, welcome, Mayor, to the Mustard Alaska show. Thanks, John. And I just want to say to down here in Ketchikan, we really appreciate Mustard Alaska and, and Suzanne and what you do. And uh, you guys are great. So thank you for all the election coverage. You guys did an outstanding job. Well, I appreciate it. You know, people would laugh if they saw our election night set up. It was, you know, some people, most everybody else had, you know, hundred, you know, ten thousand dollar cameras and a thousand dollar mics and soundboards and seventeen people helping them and production crews and, you know, it's Suzanne and I with a fifty dollar mic and a and a laptop and uh, we outbeat our competition view wise ten to one. So we're, you know, we don't need much. We just need. <laughs> a laptop and a camera and we'll call it good. So um, Mayor, you had a re-election. Talk to us about this re-election. This was a election I think a lot of conservatives kept their eye on for a number of different reasons. You had, um, you know, uh, 
uh, I believe now you can correct me if I'm wrong. I believe it was a, a city employee that was running against you. Um, and that just got a little bit complicated there. So talk to us about how that, how that running that race was and uh, talk to us about the outcome. Obviously you won, but you really went after, you know, doing a, uh, positive outreach campaign there at the last six months or so, really trying to educate people on what you stood for, um, maybe what your opponent stood for that was different than what you stood for. So talk to us about the campaign and how it went in your eyes. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm going to start with that standard disclosure that keeps me out of trouble. So <laughs> yeah. the thing that I might say is just my own opinion. I'm definitely not representing the borough or the assembly. But uh, so we, we did have a pretty difficult election down here. I was running against a school district employee, actually the number two position over at the school district, uh, who had been the acting superintendent in, in the past during COVID. So it was kind of contentious and we were on different ends of the political spectrum. So, uh, I, you know, everyone down here knows me, knows that I'm a conservative, fiscal conservative. I really support that government needs to stay out of all of these divisive issues and just focus on the basics. Uh, my opponent uh, was a self-professed progressive uh, Democrat. So, and nice person, don't want to say anything mean about her, but we're different ends of the political spectrum. And it was, a, you know, it was an interesting campaign. I mean, there was obvious uh, concerns that many citizens expressed that there's an appearance of a conflict of interest when you have the person who's been in the position of requesting funding for the district for years, now in the highest elected position in the borough responsible for that funding. It just looked like there could be some potential conflicts there. So a lot of the campaign kind of focused around that and some of the differences between things that I've been involved in and things that she supported. So it was interesting and it was tough and it divided the community. And now, fortunately, we are past that and we're really to the phase right now where we're trying to bring people back together and just focus on the basics. So what was the uh, outcome? What, what was the exact percentage? How, what was the was it 60, 40 or what was the what was the end of the day result? I think I was about five points ahead of her. So okay. somewhere around 55 percent versus 45, somewhere in that neighborhood. Well, I think it's a, a glimmer of hope for folks that, um, you know, here on the peninsula, we had a race, Tuckerman Babcock versus Jesse Bjorkman. And the NEA was running many, many, many ads against Tuckerman Babcock. And, you know, both are good folks. I voted for Tuckerman. I like Tuckerman Babcock a lot. Jesse also is a great guy, but it was a, it was a, um, something out of, a playbook that people can go back and watch years from now of the NEA getting involved in conservative race, you know, quote unquote, conservative races. And man, it is hard to beat the NEA. And um, you, my friend, have done it. So congratulations in some ways. I think, um, you know, going against a beast like that um, is is extremely tough. And you weathered the storm and you came out victorious. Is there any big lessons that you learned along the way um, going against somebody that's kind of powerful in the uh, teacher union setting or just, you know, union setting? My opponent definitely had the support of the unions. She made a, 
a point of that, you know, in the advertisements. But the one thing that I really heard from so many people was that even those that didn't agree with me really appreciated somebody that was willing to to make a stand and to uh, weather the storm of criticism. And so there's been a couple, you know, decisions that I've made over the last three years, my last, my first term as mayor, that um, were hard, difficult decisions. But, you know, the people ultimately really respect somebody that's doesn't bend whichever way the wind blows, right? Yeah. So just kind of makes a stand for that and takes their licks and and just drives on and is consistent. And that's what I've really tried to be. And, you know, like, I, like I've said during the campaign, and I'm saying to uh, you right now, is government really has some basic functions and responsibilities and everything else that we do is potentially divisive in the community. And I just don't know why we intentionally pick those fights. And so I, I just really want to focus catch can on our economic development, uh, the basics of government. And one of those is education. I certainly support education. Uh, so it's just, it's kind of a difference in, in political ideologies between myself and, and, and the other side. But I, now that it's over, I definitely want to bring that other side into the mix and, you know, get this community moving forward. Yeah, I appreciate that. So before we talk about your hopes for your, your um, next term here, what you want to accomplish, give me, you know, one or two things that you're most proud of over your first three years that you can look back on and say, man, I'm, I'm excited that myself and my team were able to accomplish that. So I've, I've said this a couple of times um, during my elected experience with the borough. One of the things that I'm the most proud of is our advocacy uh, efforts. The borough used to go to D.C. once a year for advocacy and has done that for, for many, many years. And one of the things that we did differently was I developed a plan and I presented that to the manager uh, to really take our issues all the way to the White House. And the response from the manager was, well, you know, we've never gone to the White House before. And I said, well, it doesn't hurt to try. And what we really did is we worked with a congressional delegation. And this is something that's taken place over the years from when I started on the borough assembly. But what we, we've done is we've been successful in getting our issues all the way to the top with the mindset that if we make our problems the White House's problems, then they become everybody's problems. So we had a number of issues with uh, different three-letter and four-letter agencies out of D.C. Mm -hmm. where they were essentially telling us, no, they weren't going to consider our side of the issue. And we wound up taking it all the way to the White House. The White House got involved and it, it really changed things around. And that's really led to a number of success stories over the last several years. And uh, so I'm really proud of that because I think there's just so much potential there. You know, if you're the squeaky wheel and, and, uh, and you become a, a pain in somebody's butt enough times in places <laughs> like DC, uh, eventually they're going to want to make you go away. So that's just really where we focused and we've really focused on economic development. And we're really seeing that down here in Southeast now. That's awesome. I think that that's a good strategy. And, you know, every four or eight years, we're going to have a new president. But if your um, assembly and, and mayor has a focus on, you know, really having a relationship with the folks over there, it can pay off in spades when you can pick up the phone and actually call somebody that can make a difference. So kudos to you guys for doing that. That's pretty awesome. So you got three more years. I think the term there is three years. 
what what are some of the big things you're hoping to accomplish here in the next three years and um, some of the things you're excited about um, as you look forward to you know what the next three years looks like? Absolutely. So one thing we really learned from COVID was the need to diversify our economy as much as possible. You know, in 2020, we had virtually no visitors. And so we got a good impression of how much that actually cost the community. And for the borough, it was about a little over a $5 million loss, which might not sound a lot to a lot of people, but that's just a little bit under what we collect in total property taxes in a year. And then on the city side, their loss was around 14 million. So if we added that up, uh, the loss of tourism would have caused tax rates in the community to go up by about 200% total between the borough and the city to try to compensate for that loss. So realizing that uh, we're really trying to focus on diversifying the economy and we've had some successes. We have $20 million worth of, uh, um, dock work being done to support the NOAA ship Fairweather that's going to be homeported in Ketchikan. We have a $100 million airport expansion project underway. Uh, so we're, stu- we're, we're really trying to um, not have all of our eggs in one basket. And it looks like we're going to have a pellet facility over on a nearby island. Oh, nice. Uh, we're working on trying to get uh, more housing. Uh, working with the Coast Guard, you know, trying to develop different housing ideas and projects. So we just, you know, and right now we're at that stage where it kind of almost feels like 2019, this time in 2019 all over again. So we've got a lot of businesses that are starting to get a little bit nervous. They see inflation that's continuing to increase. They know that the disposable income of travelers is continuing to decrease. And those things will really have an impact on how full our cruise ships are, what our independent travelers look like. So we're, you know, we've got a, a, a tourism uh, assessment committee that's meeting right now to really focus on tourism going forward. And one of the things that we've asked that committee to really focus on is a plan B in case inflation continues to go up and cl- in case the economy gets worse. How do we remarket Ketchikan as maybe a, a more affordable destination or a destination where travelers can come and they could go fishing and they can bring a bunch of fish back with them and that has a value to it. So we're really trying to be mindful that just because we think things are going to go get better, that might not necessarily be the case. And we really want to prepare for what uh, next year looks like. That's awesome. I think I read somewhere that um, you had cut your mayor's budget down to zero at one point. Is that true? So right after, just it was a few months after I got elected, of course, COVID started. And we were looking for any potential way to um, cut the budget without increasing taxes. The last thing you want to do in a recession is increase taxes. So I just asked staff to cut my budget to zero. And I, <laughs> I did my whole term without spending a single dollar of taxpayer money. And down here, you know, you don't, uh, during that term, uh, you know, I wasn't making a lot anyway. We don't get any benefits. Most of what we do is volunteer work, but uh, every dollar counts. And I really didn't want to be in a position where um, we're raising taxes on people at a time when businesses are going out of out of business. So yeah, so I did what I could. So you put your <laughs> literal money where your mouth is. I think that's cool. I think a lot of times you know, we both probably hear this politicians talking about, you know, 
just talking and not actually doing what they say they're going to do. So I think that that those little things go a long way, especially when you live in a small community like Ketchikan, you know, Alaska is one big small town. And I think that um, things like that, people notice, um, you know, cutting your budget down to zero, not spending any taxpayer funds during your term. Those things are super important to folks. Um, you know, how, how much do you think faith plays a role in, you know, in politics, you know, for you or in Alaska, I see it kind of fading away in some regards, sadly. Do you think faith still plays a role in in um, in politics in your life and how so? So for me, faith is the most important thing in my life. I pray every day. I try to read my Bible every day. I try to be that kind of leader that uh, doesn't have any drama that uh, is never an embarrassment to the community. I just want to uphold those high standards. And then when it's my time to go, I just go on and do something else. And that's one of the reasons why, you know, I don't, and I'm glad that this position is not a position about money or power or anything like that. But unfortunately, I see a lot of people who profess their faith, but really don't work out their faith. And, and I see that more in politics nowadays. And I, and and I think the public does too, where we see a lot of people that might use their faith because they think that it'll get them a couple votes and they really don't walk out their faith. And I think that's sad. I, I really, like, like I said, it, in the beginning of this interview, one of the things that people have really told me that they appreciate about me is that um, I'm not wishy-washy on things. My position on something last year will be the same this year if the conditions and the elements of that are, are the same. So I just, I really think people need to kind of stand on that. And I, after one of the hard decisions I made in my first term, I got a call from um, a certain unnamed elected official up there in Fairbanks. And he said, you know, I had to make a similar uh, decision during my term. And he said, just stick with it and the people will appreciate you for it. So that's, that's kind of my take on faith. Nice. So one of my last questions to you, this is mayor, there's probably a 20 year old kid. I want to not really a kid, but maybe a young adult sitting and listen, that's going to listen to this. Maybe that person has some aspirations to become um, an assembly person or a city council person or um, state senator. What's advice that you'd give to somebody that is, is, you know, seeking a life of public service. You yourself have had a life of public service. You were, um, a state trooper for 25 years. I believe you were um, in the U.S. Army as a ranger. Um, you were also uh, in the state house as a state legislator for um, 10 years or so as a liaison, legislative liaison. So you've literally, you know, been doing public service your whole life. Um, what do you say to the 20-year-old who wants to potentially be go down a route that you've chosen to go down? You know, I think probably the best thing is maybe get a little bit of life experience under your belt. Realize that you're going to lose some friends if you go into public service, especially if you stand to your convictions. And that's another thing that I would recommend that you do. You need to have certain convictions. You need to be unwavering on those convictions. And you need to realize that there's going to be a number of people that are going to hate you for that. And just don't return that hate. Return it with love but but stand true to who you are and and just realize it's 
there's going to be many hard days and there's going to be many days when you're going to wonder why you're doing that, but you're, you're doing it for your, your community. You're doing it because you want to make the place that you live a little bit better and then just pass that on to somebody else in the future. And I really worry that at least from the conservative side, there's, there's a lot of really good people that would be great in public service, but generally conservatives are not um, drama seekers, right? They like to work a hard day and go home and spend time with their family. They really don't like to get into conflicts. And, and unfortunately, in politics nowadays, you have to be willing to accept some of those kind of conflicts. It just comes with the job. So if, if you have that kind of intestinal fortitude, if you have the ability to take a few licks and uh, a few nasty comments from time to time, you do great in public service and uh, you should get your start on a local level. Try to get in on a borough assembly or city council and just work your way up from there. Do you guys have like internship possibilities for folks at the borough? Let's say somebody to shadow you for a day or, you know, shadow, come to the assembly meeting as a, you know, a college student or something like that. Or, or have you guys thought through any of that before? So we've, we've not thought through that specifically, but if anybody called us, we'd certainly be open to that. I would, um, yeah. but I can tell you that what we do is on a yearly basis, we invite the high school and all of the high schoolers to the borough nice. uh, for a day. And we, we show them the whole process from the elected side of things to the management side of things and the individual departments. So we try to give them that uh, impression of what their government does and what it's there for and how they could be part of it. Awesome. Well, to put you on the spot here, if there's somebody listening that lives in your neck of the woods and they want to get a hold of the mayor's office, mm-hmm. what's a good way to get a hold of the mayor's office? Best way is to email me. You can email me at Rodney, R O D N E Y D, at KGBAK.us. Nice. Well, thank you so much, Mayor, for coming on the Must Read Alaska show. I really appreciate it. Must Read Alaska is a big fan of everything you're doing from uh, uh, your small budgets to your public service, 25 years as an Alaska state trooper. I'm sure you have some stories. So um, thank you for keep trekking along. And I wish you nothing but success in the next three years. And um, I'm more than confident that you're going to be able to mend some of those wounds during the election season. And the Catch Borough is going to come out a better place in the next three years because you're there as mayor. So we wish you nothing but success. And for folks that are uh, listening in, we're going to have uh, Donna Arduin on Friday morning, which is going to be a special treat. She is probably the best budget expert as a, in terms of state government budgets. She's worked for, I don't know, five or six different governors. She's a consultant for one of the best consulting groups in the United States when it comes to um, state budgets and government budgets. She is, in my opinion, one of the biggest budget experts in the U.S. and she's going to come on the Mustard Alaska show. She's a big fan of Mustard Alaska and we're a big fan of hers. And she's been on maybe three or four times and I probably have her on every, every other day if she wanted to. So tune in Friday morning to listen to Donna Arduin. She is epic and she'll be on at 9 a.m. with us. So Mayor, thank you so much. Uh, wish you nothing but success and uh, have yourself a good rest of your day. You too, John. And uh, thank you for all you're doing. Thanks. All right.